This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bree, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like street track tracks, and my bike's tire like went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just like skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And <laughs> active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined by my co-host, Brie Tucker. Well, hello, hello, everybody. How are you? We we have such an interesting conversation for you today. It is with Amy Lang, who has been a sexual health educator for over 25 years. And just to let you know, there's a very frank conversation about sex in this it, episode. It is very down and dirty. It had a lot of great information for parents, but I don't know if you necessarily want to listen to it with your kids around. I wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it might be it might be a little uncomfortable, especially if you haven't like heard the episode first, you know, everything that we're talking about. I mean, because we go from everything from sexuality, masturbation, mm -hmm. porn, everything. Yeah. yeah. And I don't say like I wouldn't watch listen to it with my kids out of like a shame. It's more of like. I wouldn't listen because I would feel so uncomfortable, which we also <laughs> talk about in the episode, like our own, like part of the problem of trying to get over these conversations with our kids is just dealing with our own shit. Yeah, we have to deal with our own stuff. So we hope you enjoy our conversation with Amy Lang. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. Welcome, Amy, to the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie and I were just listening to your podcast uh, this morning, and we loved it. I laughed, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is like the kind of talk that parents need about talking to their kids about sex. So welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It is uh, like such an amazing thing that you do, giving information to parents when they're really uncomfortable about having the talk. I'm curious, how did you get into this? 
Excellent question. So my, I got into this through shame and embarrassment. You know, um, so I had been a sex educator for about 16 years and I'd been doing all the usual teenager, like birth control, abortion, you know, condoms, STIs, that kind of thing. Totally loved it. It was actually my hobby. It's what I did for fun. And I had just assumed I was going to be a total rock star when I had kids. I thought, all right, I love this stuff. It comes to me naturally. It's in my bones. And then Milo, um, he was about five and he grabbed his penis and he said, Hey, mama, did you know? And I stood there and I thought, please don't tell me it feels good to touch your penis. And I did the poker face, right? And I said, what? And he said, I can see the veins in there where the blood goes. And I said, great, get in the bathtub. And that was my moment where I thought, oh, great. You do not know what you're doing. I was freaking out. I had no, I, I give me a pregnant 15 year old. I can rock that. <laughs> oh, which is a very tough situation. Forget so. right? Yeah. Yeah. So I started doing some research for, you know, our family. And as I was doing that, I realized that I could help other parents. I'll, I have a master's degree and my focus was in adult education. So I combined my two favorite things, teaching adults and talking about sex. And here we are. And my child is now 21. So he's all grown and man-childing and appears great. You know, <laughs> I know, right? You don't ever want to say things are going fantastic because that's when that other shoe drops. So you're yeah. like, it, it seems to be going okay so far, but you know, hey, we're open. And I imagine <laughs> like you must have like an even more complicated way of talking about your kids since you're like a sex educator, especially like teaching parents how to talk to kids about sex. I know like we're here, even on the podcast, just being parenting, we have to be very careful about what we say about our kids in like terms of not embarrassing them. But I would say you have an extra layer. Yeah on it. That would be hard. Yeah. yeah. I have permission to tell like the stories I tell about him. I have permission to tell them. And also the other side of it, he just doesn't really care. So <laughs> he just doesn't really care. I mean, he's grown and he's sort of done with it. I mean, he was so embarrassed by me for so long. And then when he got into high school, he said, I suddenly had some cred because I had this funky kind of cool job. So all his friends called me Amy Lang. So, you know, he came around. Yeah. <laughs> It's so funny. Your experience of dealing with sex education reminds me of our friend Shana's who like her job in college was teaching college students about sex. And she carried around a banana around campus and taught everyone how to put on a condom. And she's saying this like, and we're like, oh my gosh, I couldn't, couldn't imagine. But no, just, no. Having grown up in the Bible belt of, uh, you know, the US, it was, it was a little bit more, uh, you know, don't talk about it. <laughs> People acted like if they didn't. And I love that. Like when I was listening to your podcast, you have a really great point that, not talking about it doesn't make it not exist. Mm -hmm. And you, I was just listening to one of the episodes where you were talking about uh, the monitoring and um, how to keep track of things that are going on online, because you can be prepared, you can talk to your kids about it and everything. And, but that doesn't suddenly make it just doesn't make the risk factors disappear. They mm -mm. still are there. No. Yeah, totally. And yeah, I mean, there's just an article in the paper about an 11 year old girl who was on discord and Roblox. And I actually had a consultation with a family, a parent that this girl got groomed. By multiple people, multiple people. She had no idea what she was doing. The parents didn't understand how those two things worked. Mm -hmm. And so just to circle back, when you're having open conversations with your kids about sexuality, which includes like watching out for tricky people and understanding that it's not like nobody asks, no healthy person asks these kinds of questions of a young person. So it really, there really is this whole connection back to safety, right? And my whole thing is this is just about health and safety. That's it. End of the day, yeah. it's our only job. That is our yeah. only job. It's not our job to give our kids phones. It's not our job to make sure they're eating well, eating, you know, 
decent food is our job, but there's so much stuff that we fret about and worry about that we forget that at the end of the day, it's just these two things. And there's so much now that is not about that, right? It's not about that. And it doesn't help. It is about safety. And it's really hard as a parent to navigate that, especially in the tech landscape, because we didn't grow up with this. Most of us did not. And it's hard to figure out what's okay online, like in terms of programs, in terms of what to let kids play with, in terms of what's safe and what's what's not okay online. And I know you mentioned a lot about monitoring and tracking. What can parents do? How can they start if they have nothing in place right now in terms of monitoring and tracking their kids online? Well, the first thing is you just need to understand you know, my universe around this is around porn. Your child will see pornography before they make it to 18, 100% guaranteed. So no one needs to, well, I know people, grown up people like to, people like that. I don't, I look once a year and I'm always like, and I can't do it. Um, I actually looked twice this year accidentally in a short period of time. Um, so the first thing is you have to understand that they are going to see pornography. We talk about the internet. It's the World Wide web. We go online, we go there for everything, right? It's the Oracle. So if you're not talking with them openly about sexuality, they're going to go Google penis. They're going to Google boobs. And if you're bored and you're listening to this, whip out your phone, Google penis. Mm -hmm. Can't see things. There's photos on there. Definitely. Oh, yeah. I mean, easy to get to videos, right? It's like a heartbeat. So, you know, so the place to start is using monitoring and filtering. And their the product I like the most is called Bark. And it's easy to install. You can use it from your phone. You can shut things off. You can turn things on. And you have to do that. It's not a choice anymore. There are, you can use the thingies in your computer and whatever devices they're on. They're not as effective and it's a pain in the ass. So if you can afford a one-stop shop, I recommend that. Um, if you're outside of the U.S., Custodio is, um, is the option there. And so, you know, people are like, oh, but... They're, my child would never, and oh, they're too young. They're not curious. And it's like, that's just BS. Yeah. It's just straight up BS. So one way I like to talk about this is to think about being in a car, right? So when you're in a car, no matter how old your kid is, there are two things that are happening. So when they're a baby, they're in a bucket. And they're always wearing a seatbelt in some way. So the seatbelt is monitoring. You're always using monitoring, which means you're just watching where they're going. You're seeing where they're going. That's the seatbelt, the car seat, the bucket, that's filtering. So the younger they are, the tighter, right? So in a bucket, when you're a little, when you're a baby, then do you get turned around? I can't even remember anymore. Then you get turned around in the bucket, maybe. Then you get a car seat, rear-facing, forward-facing, booster, front seat driving, right? Mm -hmm. The whole time there's a seatbelt, but you get, they get more autonomy as they get older and they're eventually sitting in the front seat where they just, just wear the seatbelt. So monitoring and filtering is the same, super tight when they're little, super duper tight when they're little, by the time they are in the sixth grade, they should be able to go anywhere they want online, but you're always watching. So if they do go to a porn site or that awful, like, you know, drug site or worse, you'll see it. And then you have a conversation. And, you know, this, the, we have to change our thinking about this. Like, just like you'd never let your kid get in a car or you'd never go in a car without a seatbelt. You have to do the same thing for your kids when it comes to this. So it's just, yeah, it's hard on me that people don't believe me. So 
do what you will. It's your kid, your choice. But just remember that if the first place your kid learns about sex is from porn, you're setting them up for some trouble. Oh, yeah. No, oh, yeah. I mean, in terms of porn, first of all, pornography depicts women in very unhealthy ways as yeah. well oh. as just being like, it, it just puts all these unrealistic expectations and it just degrades them. And it's awful from that standpoint, as well as many others that informs hor- like horrible ideas about sex and what sex is and not for intimacy or whatever. So that aside, it's kind of like, We're in this age where there is so much information that is just available right at our fingertips. And I mean, when we were kids, it was always the, if the parent had a playboy in the house at the slumber party, everybody would be like, oh my gosh, guess what I found? Or a penthouse. Oh my God. Oh my my God. Penthouse was like the most scandalous, the most scandalous. Yeah. And now like everything is just available. And I think the scary thing is that it's almost like you're able to reach someone else and talk to them online. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. like the magazines like we had or we found uh, yeah. were you couldn't communicate, you couldn't interact. And yeah. nowadays, like you can interact with people, mm-hmm. if, if especially if you're not sure like what your kids are using and the capabilities of the mm-hmm. software. Mm-hmm. Hey, all it is Joanne and Bree here. And we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. Shout out to Clarendon for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Hey guys, Brie here. And let me tell you, April is a killer time of the year for me because it is crazy allergy season. I swear, everything that is in bloom looks fantastic and beautiful, but it makes it so I can't breathe. I am literally coughing, sneezing, rubbing my nose. I look like Rudolph half of the spring. It's terrible. But luckily for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies like I do, we live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can finally breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine is the best decongestant available. It relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I absolutely love it. It is the only allergy medicine that works for me. So if you're ready to live life as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just one quick trip 
trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Mm -hmm. And you know, those flat, like looking at a photograph is nothing compared to watching a video. It's better. Right. And so sometimes I recommend for parents, you know, that they do give alternatives. So, and you know, Playboy, Playgirl, they're not in print anymore, but you can get back issues. It's much better for a child if they're, and this is a total like family values choice. Mm -hmm. If that feels right to you, then give them that sexy novels, like books. There's all kinds of safer ways to get your rocks off. Not that anyone wants to think about that with their kids, but there's, there are plate, there are ways you can kind of mitigate that. And, um, and yeah, what they see in the videos, they think that's how you do sex. Oh yeah, yeah, because they that's what that's they see. How you do sex, right? It's and porn starts in the middle, and nobody's penis is that big, and <laughs> there's no, they're all hairless. And last time I they're checked, there was no delivery guy that came to my house and was like, "Here's my package." <laughs> no, like come on, let's have a storyline. No, it's just like banging it out. Um, oh my gosh. So just one thing that I think is also helpful for parents to know, just in terms of sexuality education. So up until they are, kids are about like, I can never remember, like 13-ish, parents have the most influence over them in terms of their sexual health, their sexual education, their sexual identity. We have, we are the most powerful. Um, peers are way down here. So then, as you may recall, as they get into high school, their peers and the parents were still neck and neck, but the peers are actually a little bit higher in terms of their influence. So if you get the sex talk started sooner, like starting at five, starting in kindergarten, doing it throughout, keeping it up, even when they're doing the old talk to the hand thing, you you have this place and this space where you establish yourself as an expert. They'll be more likely to come to you. They'll be more open to the conversation. And so by the time they're in those high school years, you're in there, you're in their brains and you've talked about your values. And so the peer stuff's going to be coming at them. Um, which is fine. But if you know, you've really worked hard to make sure that they, and my whole goal, like with Milo was, I want him to be the smartest kid on the playground. Like that should be your goal. Smartest kid on the playground and even town crier, right? Like most people are like, Oh no, if I tell my child, the penis goes in the vagina, are they going to go tell everyone? And I'm like, a probably not. And B, if someone says, you know, sex is when you kiss with tongues and your kid's like, okay, not so much. Not so. Yeah. I love what, I love what you said about them being the smartest kid on the playground. That's something that I think like I I've done with my daughter. However, like kids have different personalities. And my son is one of those shut down, like don't want to talk about it, totally embarrassed. And it's harder to have those conversations. So how do you harder to start that? Yeah. So, so do you have any advice on like, how do you, how do you break through those that have the tougher shell? The ones that every time you try to talk to it, they just are like, nope, stop mom. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. So my child told me that he would rather talk to strangers than me or his dad about sex. Sounds like my kids. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> and also told me that um, he would never ask us a question. So, and here I am, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. great. Like I have all this information and, you know, it's like, a, you know, I have to, you know, put my professional hat on, but I have this whole thing going on in my own household. So here are some things. So first of all, if you have a kiddo that is very reticent, there's some things you can do. So first of all, uh, use the world around you. So you're watching a show together and there's an interaction between um, a couple and you're like, in your head, you're like, oh, that was not good. Then you just say, hey, remember when we were watching Never Have I Ever, which is my current favorite show for people to watch with their children. Um, and this happened. Um, you know, I really, I didn't like that. It felt X, Y, Z to me. 
And then you always say, did you notice? What'd you think? And they say, right. They, right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And what you're doing is you're sprinkling in, right. You're sprinkling in. So use the world around you. Um, use your other kids. So if you have older, younger kid, and usually what's hap- happens is the older child will not talk and the younger child is chatty. I've seen this over and over again. So capitalize on the chatty, curious ch- kiddo. So just talk about stuff in front of the other kid. Um, the other thing to do too is to um, use your timer like, and just say, look, I need two minutes, two minutes of your time, set your timer, you say your thing, um, and then you've done your thing. Get them books, um, bribe them. Um, I, I use all the tools. I know you're like positive discipline person, right? And I've had my, I am too. And my, there are people like, bribe, never. And I'm like, oh no, no, oh, no. All the tools in the toolbox. Oh um, yeah. And then the other thing you can do for yourself and for your child, which is really helpful, is there's a thing you want to talk about, like masturbation, okay? So what you can do is say, and I did this with Milo on the regular, hey, there's a sex thing I want to talk to you about. We can do it now or do it later. Guess what they always say? Do it now. No. (laughs) No, really? Say it later. Really? Oh, oh my yeah. gosh, my kid, my kids won't like they will not yeah. put so off everybody's different. So if they say <laughs> yeah. later, then you're like, great, I've got some time. If they say now, you need to be ready. You need to be good to go. And not just to toot my own horn, my new book, Sex Talks with Tweens, is all scripts, basically. So you memorize the little masturbation script, which I will give to you right now. And then um, you say, so in the moment you just do it, if it's later, you have within 48 hours, you need to find that moment and say, hey, okay, it's later. And then just talk about it. So you want me to talk about masturbation? Go for yeah. it. Yeah. 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 So, um, so I have this formula, which is facts and values and limits. So the facts about masturbation, uh, masturbation is when someone uh, touch, touches and rubs their penis or clitoris because it feels good for pleasure, right? It's something you don't have to do. It's something, you know, you can choose to do or not to do. It's also something people do together when they're in a sexual relationship. Okay. Values, total fan. It's really important to learn your body. It helps you understand, you know, what feels good to you in a sexual way. So later on when you're in your what late twenties and have your first sexual relationships, (laughs) then you, then you, you have a sense of what feels good to you. And then limits, you know, I just would say something like, you know, if you're doing this, it's something you do in private when you're alone in the bedroom or in your bathroom. And again, it's not something you have to do, um, but I would encourage you to feel what, figure out, figure out what feels good to you. And then, so that's that. In particular, people with clitorises, they need to be told straight up, get to know that part of your body because its only job is pleasure, nothing else. Mm-hmm. You know, all the other crap we people with clitorises have to put up with, we got that bonus. I don't know if it balances out, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so you see that little succinct, succinct, succinct yeah. mm-hmm. and, um, and they are going to do what they're going to do with it. They may say, do you do that? And you can say, you know, it's a healthy part of being a human being. Look at that shiny thing over there. You can also just say, do you really want to know the answer to that? And they will probably say no. No. Um, <laughs> Um, because nobody wants to think about their parents' sex life in any way, shape, or form. So that those things, right? And you just have to do it so they get used to it. And to say to them, I get it, you're uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable. You have to know about this part of life. Mm-hmm. And it feels really good to be smarter than everyone. Yes, indeed. It. True. Yeah. That's a good point. Be like, I'm giving you knowledge, man. You're going to be the go-to person. You're going to be the one that knows it all. And I love your scripts because I, so I am comfortable at a fifth grade level talking about sex because I used to have to teach human growth and development as a fifth grade teacher. And 
the way our school district did is you had a script and you cannot deviate from that script. And reading from that script was so helpful because you didn't have to put any personal interpretations in it. So I love that you gave a script for that because I'm like, oh, it's reading from a script. I don't know. I think it helps. It gives you that extra, like you were talking about how, like I'm laughing at everything you're saying because like I have a 14 and a 15 year old right now. So like we've been through a lot of this and I'm also like on my second marriage and my husband now has a different perspective of it than my my ex did. So like it's it's a parenting mind shift I'm having going on. But I get nervous like so many parents do. And I think that that the idea of having a script definitely mm-hmm. gives you that that self-confidence of like, okay, at least I'm going to know what I need to say because that's the scariest part, I think. It's just yeah. having the talk and not knowing what you're going to say. Mm-hmm. Right. And nobody talked to us, right? right. Oh, oh right? gosh, yeah. No. I mean, the hand, some people definitely had really good relationships and had a lot of information, but nobody talked to us. So we didn't even have an example. I mean, we don't even have examples of how to parent, but that's another story. Like we didn't, <laughs> we didn't have an example of how to do this and how to do it well, Right. And, um, you know, and I think in general in parenting, you know, we also were raised in a way where most of the time our parents were never vulnerable or not, or vulnerable. I don't know. My parents were not vulnerable at all ever. Um, But saying to your kiddo, you know, I'm uncomfortable talking about this, but just saying it, I'm uncomfortable. I'm probably going to screw it up, but here you go. And you say the thing. And, you know, one of the lovely things about having people who are over the age of 12 is you do not need to edit screen. You can say all the things, all the words, just, just don't worry about it. It was so glorious when Milo was, I'm like, all right, thank God. I don't have to be so careful with you anymore. And again, that kind of just circles back to where we started with the porn talk, right? You got to get in there first. You know, you're going to do the best you can right? You're going to do the best you can, but there, this is something that you can learn to do. And it's fun and funny, right? I yeah, mean, it is sex, funny. sex is fun, right? Sex is fun. It should be fun. And that's one of the messages our kids don't get, right? They get this sort of, like we did this sort of gloom and doom and don't do it. You're going to get in trouble. There are all these problems. I mean, imagining the sex ed curriculum you were teaching was very mm-hmm. like neg- negative. It was I mean, by the book. It was very anatomical. Yeah. <laughs> really yeah, yeah. So that's the other thing that I think is really important is that we quit thinking about this in terms of prevention, right? Yeah. It's, it's going to happen. Yeah. It's preparation. Like, don't you want your kids be, to be prepared for this part of life? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, I wasn't. You have probably heard me talk about my dog, Addie, before. And when we first got her, we didn't know that she was a counter surfer. Now, counter surfing animals are the ones who jump on counters, especially kitchen counters, when you're not looking and take stuff off of them. Well, in this instance, Addie had jumped onto the kitchen counter and eaten an entire bottle of my other dog's pain medication. You can imagine the freak out that ensued from me. So imagine this. You're at the vet's office again, knowing that vet care costs continue to rise. You're anxiously waiting to hear how expensive the bill will be. But If you had pet insurance, your pet could be covered for accidents or illnesses. That's why you should check out ASPCA Pet Health Insurance. 
The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care that they may need. They allow you to customize the plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. Because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash no guilt. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash no guilt. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash no guilt. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. No. I know, right? Well, I'm also thinking back to you're talking about the body parts, and I just remember being told that narrative that like, well, some girls just don't get pleasure from sex. You're just going to have to deal with that. And I, oh yeah, yeah that was the narrative, wasn't it? Oh yeah. Brie it was all about the for, men. We're just going to mm-hmm. say for a scary long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was a lot about the, right? the faking orgasms like would growing up, like yeah. that's what yeah. women did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, you just, you just sort of pretend yeah. it might not be great. And then there's all this mystery and all this shame around like touch your own clitoris people when you're getting busy, like hello, <laughs> sex tip. Right. Take care of your own business. Right. It's really hard to have an orgasm with the penis in a vagina. If that's what you're doing, if that's what you're doing. And I mean, yeah. you know, it's However. easy to have orgasms other ways. So, yeah, I mean, just encouraging again, clitoris havers to understand that they can take control of that and that sex should be pleasurable. And then the penis havers, you know, if we're having heterosexual sex, they should know about the clitoris and they should get <laughs> and get busy and get to know it. Right. And so, and then that reminds me, you know, we're talking about straight sex, right? But you can't tell by looking if your kid is some, you know, something other than straight. So making sure that you're talking about different sexualities and, you know, different ways people have sex, right? So, you know, two folks with, you know, vulvas, they're not going to be having necessarily penis and vagina. Sex, right? right so they're going to be doing yeah. other things, right? Mutual masturbation, oral sex, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, I guess sort of my takeaway here is that well, I didn't say this, like this, a whole lot of this is just about us and getting our over our own shit, right? Yeah. There's a lot of that that needs to happen. I know. <laughs> like, and, you know, it just sucks because we have sexual trauma and, you know, it's just hard. And so, you know, I say that and I sound really glib, but I really understand. Like there is a chasm between like 
who we are and where we want to be and how we want to be with our kids. So learning about how to have conversations, clarifying your values, having conversations with people you trust and making even making a plan and then just start. No one's going to die. No one's going to throw up. There might be excessive wine drinking if you're a wine drinker, but there it's, it's not going to be as awful and scary as you think it is. Like we make it up to be this huge thing. And you know, our job is to keep our kids healthy and safe, right? That's it. This is one of the biggest things we do, right? Quite honestly, I would say having the conversation with a preteen teen probably got the same amount of eye rolls and uggs and looking the other way that I got any other conversation I was having. (laughs) Like about about anything else that they didn't want to hear me talk about. That's true. That's yeah, true. For anything sure, for sure. Yeah, and that that those tween years are hard because they're they're naturally grossed out. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to say like, look, I get it. You're not interested in this, but trust me, most likely in two years you're going to be like, all right, let's talk about what it. do I know? Let's do it. <laughs> well, it sounds like I I'm definitely going to get your book because there are a lot of topics that I need to talk about. It's much harder when your kids avoid it. It's so much easier when they're just asking you questions. I feel yeah, like yeah. And that's a myth. No, that's a myth. It's not their job to ask us questions. It's nope, your job it's not. to give them information. Exactly. Exactly. So I need to get your book. And uh, what else are you, what are you looking forward to right now, Amy? Um, that's a lovely question. Um, I'm looking forward to, I'm doing a bunch of PTA talks. They're all getting scheduled. And I just, you know, summer's hard for me because I'm, you know, I dry up in that department. So I'm very excited to be able to connect and teach. It's my favorite thing to do. I'm looking forward to that. And then I'm just trying to think, and I've been playing pickleball like every other white 55 year old middle-class gal. And it just has been such a joy. I have never had a sport before, so it's been really, really fun. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm in a little tournament on Friday. That's exciting. Awesome. I've never tried pickleball. I keep hearing it come up. It's something I need to try. Well, thank you so much for joining us and uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Great. Thank you. So the discussion with Amy was so interesting because she's totally right. Like we were not talked with about sex in this way. Oh, no, 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 no. It was like maybe handed the book. Oh, the best I got was, um, and I love you, mom, for listening. But uh, I remember when I was a freshman in high school and she just said, you know, we're going to go put you on the pill. I had no idea why. And later my sisters tell me like, oh, yeah, she totally thought you were having sex. So that's why she did that. No conversation. Just here you go. Just here you go. And here I think that's kind of how things were done. It's funny. I had a friend whose mom was the school nurse, and the school nurse also gave the sex ed discussions at her school. Okay. So here she was, like, in sixth grade, and her mom was the one Oh, that would be so uncomfortable for you as a sixth grader. I could not. School. I yeah. could not imagine. I could not imagine. But, I mean, she grew up having a very, like, frank view of it and just being very comfortable with it. And I would love for my kids to have too because so much of sex ed is rooted in shame it's like don't do this or this is bad and yeah it shouldn't be no i mean you're right like that is pretty much the go-to system that our our families that our parents had have had for generations of the whole like you don't do it it's bad it's wrong it it, but the truth matters we all know it happens we all know it's going to happen so why not give your kids the knowledge so that they know what they need to do going forward i would like to always think of like what would someone in france do 
Because, you know, because like, they're so they much more open-minded the, in They don't in have Europe. the same hang-ups over there as we do in America, you know, that, that Puritan background we have over here. Instead of the what would Jesus do, you're like, what, what would, would France, France do? And it would totally put you in the opposite. France, France, would be like German. But yeah, what would France do? And that would put you in the total opposite direction, I think, than most people. We actually know some people in France, so maybe we need to ask them. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Well, we hope you've enjoyed our conversation with Amy and you picked up some good scripts to use with your kids. And you're going to go get her book because that has even more scripts for you. I'm going to go get her book. Yes. So am I. Totally. So remember the best mom is a happy mom. Take care of you. And we'll talk to you later. Thanks for stopping by. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.